Welcome back to Roped In with your host, John Roper, and this is episode eight. I hope you guys are all having as great of a weekend as I did, or I guess end of the week whenever you're listening to this. Um, anyway, my sister last Christmas got me tickets with her to the Ed Sheeran concert that happened this weekend. So after nine long months of waiting after Christmas, the weekend finally came and it was an absolute blast. Uh, if you guys haven't seen Ed Sheeran at a concert, I highly suggest that he puts on an amazing show. It's, it's crazy to see as he puts it what, what Fat Ginger Kid can do up on stage with one guitar and a loop machine. Um, it was absolutely amazing to watch. So yes, I highly doubt, or I highly suggest going to an Ed Sheeran concert. It was an absolute blast. So thank you very much, Christine. That was an amazing present. Another awesome thing that happened this weekend, and I'm not getting into it this podcast, but I'm sure will be a future segment. I just want to give it a shout out. Max Verstappen. Can't say I'm the biggest Max Verstappen fan, um, but I've got to give credit where it is. Ten wins in a row, breaking the record is absolutely unbelievable. He's the first person to ever do it. I know Sebastian Vettel was the last person to do it. I think when he won out the season, I can't remember how long it goes, but I know he won the rest of the races in the season. It was nine in a row. Before that, wasn't it was another 20 years before that as well. Um, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong, but either way, not a lot of people have done it, and Max is the first person to do 10. Will we ever see it again? I don't know, but I have a strong feeling that record is going to continue to grow because the season is not over. Who's going to stop Max, really? So, yes, that's going to be a future segment. I don't want to take up too much time into that. Um, coming up on this episode, though, I'm continuing my NFL Top 10 segment. This week is the wide receivers. Uh, and then I'm also going to be talking about a little bit of Formula One. No, it is not a race recap like I normally do on the Sundays with a race. It's actually just having a discussion um, with another one of my guests on here who you'll eventually meet coming up soon. Uh, yeah, we just chatted Formula One. Uh, not an expert, I would say, but he's who I kind of go to for my Formula One questions and knowledge. So I hope you guys enjoy it. And uh, yeah, again, NFL top 10 wide receivers. Uh, should the Formula One grid expand are going to be the two topics. If you're not interested, I hope you stick around and have fun making these. If not, I'll see you next week with something that does interest you. Either way, here we go. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, another episode of Roped In, and yet again, another guest on Roped In. This time, it is one of my best friends, a former roommate, um, Somebody who I think is going to be in my life for a very, very long time, and if not forever, it's uh, Ian Kinch. Um, he's not as much of a full-on, I guess, pro in football as Spenny. Oh, hot take. This is the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. <laughs> um, this is the segment that's coming on. Uh, but yes, either way, Ian, very, very good friend of mine, huge sports fan. Uh, say hi to the people, Ian, and uh, tell them a little bit about your sports background. Yeah, hi everyone, and thanks, John, for having me on the podcast. So, a bit about my sports background. I wouldn't say, as you said, like I don't have as much football knowledge as Benny does, but I definitely know sports. A big NHL fan, casual NBA, casual NFL fan, and then also a huge Jays fan and the MLB. Um, definitely just like knowing a lot about a lot of different sports. Uh, no one sport in particular really, really draws my attention for deep knowledge, but yeah, just a big consumer of sports overall. Yeah, no, I mean, I can attest to that, people. Huge sports fan. I mean, he's you can't see it. He's wearing a Blue Jays hat right now, so I can attest to the Blue Jays knowledge. And you'll see, as the season starts, I do want to expand my hockey knowledge. Being from Jamaica, um, we play field hockey. Ice hockey is, like, not a thing at all. 
uh, I knew Crosby and Ovechkin when I came to Canada. So I will be using Ian during the hockey season and another good friend of mine who's hopefully going to be on the show, Jimmy, um, with hockey knowledge. Either way, yes, this segment is the top 10 wide receivers in the NFL. Um, I mean, I debate about how I'm going to do this every time, but I think I'm just going to keep it the same way as the quarterbacks and the running backs there, Ian, um, where I'm going to go one through 10, and then we'll mention our honorable honorable mentions at the end as well. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. sounds good. Let's uh, let's get into it. Okay. Um, my podcast, I win. I'm going to go first. Uh, my number one, I don't think is a surprise. He's probably the number one on every single person's list. If you're not a diehard fan of your own team and you vote for your own receiver, uh, it's Justin Jefferson uh, out of LSU. the The kid's an absolute freak. He he literally does it all. Bit of stats. I mean. Over 100 receiving yards. I mean, over 100 catches, over 1,800 receiving yards. I mean, he he's one of the best at everything. Like he's not. He's one of those jack of all trades. Like he's not the best at one thing, but he's the best at everything combined. Um, but yeah, I just think he's the unquestionable number one, and I absolutely hate it because as an Eagles fan, like fuck Jalen Rager because we could have had this. Yeah, he's the number one receiver in football. Yeah, uh, probably not a surprise. I've also gone with Justin Jefferson as my number one receiver in the NFL for this year. Uh, a lot of what John said already, I don't need to repeat it, but he is clearly the guy in Minnesota. Uh, in 2022, he put up over 1,800 yards, and that accounts for more than one-third of Kirk Cousins' total passing yards. So he is clearly <laughs> like, he's a favorite target there in Minnesota. So he's my number one as well. A third. That is actually pretty crazy. I mean, makes sense, but dang. All right, moving on to number two. This one could be a bit of a shock to some, maybe not a lot to all, like everybody, but it's his college teammate, Jamar Chase. I've got Jamar Chase at number two. Um, he was injured last year. He only played in about 12 games, but he still had about 90 catches and 1,000 receiving yards and near 10 touchdowns. So he plays a full season. He's 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 putting up great numbers. Um, I think he's, I wouldn't say the Robin to Justin Jefferson's Batman. I'd say the Batman B to Robin Jefferson, Justin Jefferson's Batman A. Um, granted, he's got a good wide receiver room, so he doesn't necessarily get as as blanketed on the defensive backs. But I, I do think Jamar Chase has the overall skills and ability that put him at that number two receiver for me. Yeah, I've, I've got Jamar Chase coming up in a bit here. Uh, but my number two is actually Tyreek Hill. Uh, this guy continues to just be an absolute weapon on offenses that he joins. Um, and I think with that, we know that he has the speed, that big playability uh, in 2022 at over 1,700 yards. And I'm excited to see what happens when he's got a fully healthy Tua back. Uh, as far as that health, like you're always going to need a good quarterback to have a good wide receiver because someone has to get them the ball. So I'm excited to see this, what just they can do over the course of this year. Yeah, no, I mean, Tyreek Hill is probably the unquestionable number two. I just like Jamar Chase a lot. Uh, big LSU football fan. Um, you'll find out later on. I, I don't necessarily support one college. I've said a lot of my favorite teams throughout this podcast. The LSU football team is my favorite. Maybe that's why I had Jamar Chase too. Because of it, yes, I have Tyreek Hill three, same way you had him in number two. Um, I mean, his nickname is Cheetah. He's as fast as a cheetah. Uh he had 1,700 receiving yards. I don't want to slack on Tua, but Tua's not a quarterback that can just 
throw for 1,700 receiving yards. Tyreek Hill put up a decent amount of it. He has that takeover factor. He's one of the reasons you put on football, you watch the Dolphins, is to watch what Tyreek Hill's going to do. So, yeah, there, there's no doubt he's top three. Probably should be number two, but I like Jamar Chase too much that I have Tyreek at number three. For sure. Yeah, no, he he's definitely going to be the guy that makes two of better and not the other way around. So agree with you on that. And then my number three is Jamar Chase. Uh, you've already kind of commented on it a little bit here, but my thoughts are he's the top guy of what is arguably the best receiving core in the NFL. So he's going to rank highly on the list. Even with that injury last year, as you said, he still led the Bengals in receiving yards. Uh, so looking for a bounce back here from him, but he should be getting back to that rookie season form. Yeah. Again, leading the league in receiving yards and missing five games of the season. <laughs> um, that's crazy. My number four is one that has has looked good for a long time with a, a Hall of Fame or future Hall of Fame quarterback. It's Devontae Adams. Um he he's one of those continuous thousand thousand receiving yards. I mean, last year, again, hundred receive hundred receptions, fifteen hundred yards, fourteen touchdowns. Seems like he gets double-digit touchdowns like it's his job. I mean, it is his job, but yes. He 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 knows how to score the football, basically. I think he's up there with Keenan Allen, but I do think he's got the best of running in the league. It was interesting to see him leave Green Bay to Vegas, and now even more interesting that his quarterback is gone, right? It's, it's going to be Jimmy G. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. And, and yeah. Vegas. So, yeah, he, he, he left for... for Derek Carr, because they both went to Rutgers, I think it was. Now Derek Carr, a year later, is playing in NOLA, and I think Devontae is like, okay, I don't want to track crap on it too much. Vegas is Vegas. I also don't want to get too much into Vegas. This is football. Devontae Adams, my number four receiver, best route runner in the league. Leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, so I've got Devontae later on as well, but my number four is going to be A.J. Brown from from your Eagles, John. So we've got him coming in. He's, he's a young guy. Uh, and again, he's got some big play explosiveness, um, putting up really big yards, especially with Hertz. I think he's going to fit in well with the Eagles as he continues building that rapport with them. Year one was really good. I think we all saw that. So I'm excited to see what he can do this year coming up. Again, just getting more comfortable in that system. Yeah, A.J. Brown, he's a very good player. I love him. As you said, he's on my Eagles. Shout out, Eagles. He's coming up later on my list. Um but yeah, I, I don't have a problem with being at number four. Moving on to round out my top five, I have Stefan Diggs out of Buffalo. Um, another guy that put up 100 receptions, uh, double-digit touchdowns. <laughs> I don't know. It's one of the ones where I can't say he's the best at, at any one thing. He does know how to get open, and he, he kind of gets it done on that Buffalo offense. He's got a good quarterback in Josh Allen. I think he's helped Josh Allen get to where he is now. Um, but yeah, Stephon Diggs, he's just got that kind of winner, that dog mentality in him. I've got him in my top five for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, he's my number five as well to round up my top five. So with that, as you said, like Josh Allen and him complement each other really well. Uh, and he's clearly the leader of that group. So anytime you can really establish yourself as the top dog on a team in that receiver room, you're going to be doing well when you have a quarterback like Josh Allen. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. Again, good that we have them both. Up. I think other than number – okay, I shouldn't say that. In football, I can't remember how many we had in running backs. But 
I mean, it's crazy to see that I thought wide receiver. There's a lot of good wide receivers. So I knew we were going to have number one the same. I didn't know if we were going to have any other ranking the same. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of cool to see we both had Stefan at five. Yep. Uh, moving on to number six, I've got the guy at L.A. who I think is in for a very rough season. Um, one of my friends put in a chat that we're in the other day or today. Season tickets to the Rams games is eight hundred and thirty-eight bucks. Um, the lowest price to a messy game against LAFC was like five hundred and fifty bucks. So, um, LA Rams are are in for it in the long haul. I mean, I don't think you could pass it up to have a hundred bucks a game for season tickets is is pretty phenomenal in football. Um, actually, with seventeen games, I don't know. Do you now have the one extra home game, or is there one extra away game? How does that one work? Yeah, that that I'm not sure about on the schedule. <laughs> Either way, I don't need to get into football, and it's and it's why LA is a team. Either way, it's Cooper Cup, um, number six. Uh, he only played about half the games last year, but he still put up near 800 receiving yards. He's one of those guys that he just he always knows where to be. He's he's always open. It's it's like he can telepathically talk to the quarterback back and be like, "Hey, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to cut here and here." Um, and he's yeah, he's always open. Uh, great receiver. It's it's surprising because he doesn't have that that crazy good number two that he's always being blanketed by at least two people. Yet he's again always open. So yeah, Cooper Cup's my number six. Yeah, he he's a guy that just finds a way, and very much what you said there really is the same that we can say about Devonte Adams, who's my number six. Um, again, he's played in spots where he's been dealing with double coverage. Uh, I think one of the things that really stood out was his usage last year on the Raiders. He had nearly double the targets of the number two guy on their team, which was Matt Collins. So huge oh amount of usage, God. huge amount of usage on that uh, on that side of things for Devontae. But as you said, the quarterback situation is a little bit different this year. Derek Carr out, Jimmy Garoppolo in. So we'll see how your two, your number two goes with him uh, on the Raiders. But he's so consistent, he puts up big numbers, and he's just an outstanding QB who raises the level of his quarterback. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, that kind of explains the 1,500 receiving yards if he gets used that much. Um, but it makes sense because he's that great. I agree. It's interesting with Jimmy G. I like Jimmy G, but, I mean, best available. I mean, best ability is availability, right? And he's just not available. And he doesn't have the best abilities. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, moving on, number seven. Is the guy you have already mentioned plays for my E A G L E S Eagles? It's Jalen Rager. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Fuck Jalen Rager. It's uh, it's AJ Brown. Um, you mentioned him earlier. Again, 1,500 receiving yards on less than 100 catches is dynamic. He's a big play guy. Super strong. I think he's the second strongest receiver in the league behind a guy that's coming up later on my list. Um, good jump ball, big plays. I mean, he's got a good offense. Uh, Jalen Hurts, great quarterback. Devontae Smith, Dial Goddard do take some attention away. Um, very silly trade from Tennessee to send him to Philadelphia. But I was very happy. Um, and he's done nothing but perform. I think he's might not put up the same numbers because Devontae Smith and Dallas Goddard are there. But he's going to be a, a better player. It sounds weird not having the numbers with the better player. But. He's just going to get better. He's a young guy. Um, so, yeah, A.J. Brown's been number seven. 
Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure if Tennessee could go back and do that trade over, they might uh, hang up the phone before finishing <laughs> yeah. that call. Thanks for leaving but, that voicemail. <laughs> yeah, but uh, my number seven here is someone we haven't talked about yet, which is C.D. Lamb. Um, he's the guy that leads the Cowboys wide receivers, and it's not really a contest that he's their number one target when it comes to the passing game. Uh, the crazy one for him is he he had nine TDs, which isn't you know the most, but it's it's up there as far as TDs, almost double digits. But it was the fact that he had nearly three times the production as the number two on the team, which was Dalton Schultz. So he's just getting targeted in a very same way that uh, Devontae is getting targeted in uh, in LA and Las Vegas. So with that, like yeah, his usage is just really high, but it really shows how much they wanted to put him in the the pass game when they're using him like that. Yeah, I mean, he should be in the top 10. Spoiler alert, he's not. He's in my honorable mentions. Probably because I'm an Eagles fan and he's a Cowboy. I, I hate the Cowboys. Um, same reason. Let me go back in my notes. I don't, I don't think I put Dak in the top 10. And uh, um, CD... I don't think Tony Pollard got in there either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah did I snub Tony Pollard too? might have squeaked in. No, he's in my audible mentions. Uh, yeah. There, there you go. Um, so, yeah, City Lamb, he's a great receiver for everything you just said, but he's not in my top 10. A guy who is in my top 10 is who I think is the strongest receiver in the league. I mentioned A.J. Brown was the second strongest. The guy who I think is the strongest, I don't think it's any surprise. Guy's built like a flipping unit. D.K. Metcalf out of Seattle. Um, he doesn't necessarily put up the stats as the other receivers in the league. Um, yeah, it's he's got Tyler Lockett on the team, and Geno Smith is the quarterback throwing to them. I think that has a factor to do with it. I also think it's because he could refine a lot of areas. He does rely a lot on his freak of nature abilities, but his freak of nature abilities are that good that he gets him that far. Um, I do think that he has the abilities, and if he puts a season together well enough. I mean, I, I don't want to crap on Seattle. I have a lot of friends in Seattle fans. I don't think Geno Smith is the guy that's going to win you a Super Bowl. He's the guy that's going to get you by a season or two, but they do need to upgrade a quarterback, and once they do, DK Metcalf is going to really show it. My favorite, and I think the GOAT at the wide receiver position, is Megatron, and I think DK Metcalf, don't get me wrong, very huge shoes to fill, but he has the physical attributes to be the next Megatron. So, yeah, he's the number eight. Yeah, the, the physical attributes for sure for DK. And with that, like, his his career's still just getting started. Like, he's got time to grow in that offense or have the opportunity to play with another quarterback that's going to get him to that next level uh, as far as getting him the ball and being in a competitive spot. So, my number eight is uh, Jalen Waddle. So, I'm actually double-dipping here on the Dolphins. Uh, yeah, he's the number two receiver behind Tyreek. Not facing as much double coverage. But he's still super productive. He had over 1,300 yards last year. So putting that together with Tyreek's numbers, that's like 3,000 yards between the two of them. And he had eight touchdowns. Yeah. Um, those are numbers that in some places would put him as number one on the team, but he's finding his way as a number two. Um, but again, still being super productive. So he's, he's my number eight. Yeah, no, that makes sense. You're right. 1,300, I think, is just under Stephon Diggs. Um. Yeah, I, I do like Jalen Waddle a lot. Um, 
Part of me wonders if, and I don't want to just diss this in any way, he's a great football player. Part of me wonders if it's because Tyreek Hill is the number one getting all the attention. However, I don't mean that in any diss in any way. Jalen Waddell is a great receiver. Um, I think, as you're saying, he would be a number one and put up better numbers on a team if he was the number one target. So to say it's it's more taking away the coverage, maybe it's more taking away opportunities because there's Tyreek Hill. So yeah, I think Jalen Waddle is a, a good person to have in the top 10, but he is not in my top 10. Um, another man who's in mind that maybe I'm thinking too old school a little bit, but I just think with his size, he's the biggest red zone threat. The guy playing in Tampa, interesting to see what his stats are going to do, but it's Mike Evans. Um, he's now got Baker thrown to him. Maybe it could be um, the quarterback out of Florida that they drafted last year that I now can't remember the name. Um, but yes, he, he's going to have Baker starting, I think, the year to throw to him. They don't really have a running game. Chris Godwin's still there, so it'd be interesting to see what the stats are. But because I do think that, granted, he's got a huge frame. He's 6'5", but I think he's the biggest red zone threat in the league. Um, what he's nine seasons into the league, and every season he's had a thousand receiving yards. Don't get me wrong, he had Tom Brady for a bit of it. Some of it was with Jameis Winston, and now coming on to the Baker Mayfield era, I think he's still going to put up a thousand receiving yards. He's always that guy. He's going to get you double digit touchdowns. Mike Evans is is in my top ten. Yeah, I I like that one. I don't have Mike in my top ten, but as you said, he's going to be someone who kind of elevate the play of his quarterback um, and will always be that red zone threat. So I, I like that call out there. My number nine, someone you've already mentioned, uh, it's Cooper Cup. Um, again, he had that injury last year, but he's still clearly the number one receiver for the Rams by a long shot. Um, he was on pace for a ton of yards when that injury happened. So the big question mark there, apart from what you've already said, is can he bounce back from it? So that's the big question mark for me coming into this season. But he's my number nine. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's the bounce back ability. Again, interesting, very interesting Rams team with that very, I think, terrible. I don't want to crap on them. Um, They're better than me, but bad offensive line. Matt Stafford is, is on the decline. Um, But yes, again, I have Cooper Cup in my number six, so I agree. I think he's a top 10 wide receiver in the league. Number 10 is, again, maybe one that I'm holding on to old seasons too much. Um, but I do think that given the right opportunities and fully healthy, DeAndre Hopkins is is rounding out my top 10 at number 10. Again, he was a, a guy that only played in half the season. Basically, he had nine games, but he also put up more than 50 catches, 700 receiving yards, which just doing the math probably would have put him at near 100 catches and well over 1,000 receiving yards. Um, maybe the touchdowns weren't there, but he's also playing on a very dysfunctional franchise and team in Arizona. Don't get me wrong, Calamar is a great quarterback, but yes, he could get a lot better. He could watch game film maybe a little bit more. Um, uh, but this isn't a Calamar area, this is a DeAndre Hopkins thing. And yes, I think DeAndre Hopkins is a great receiver and he rounds out my top ten. Yeah, no doubt about it. He's still a great receiver. It's just a matter of does that system work for him? Does that team work for him? So we'll see. But I, I do think you're right. There are maybe a bit of uh there's a bit of a dysfunctional aspect to that Cardinals team. But uh to round up my top ten, I've got Terry McLaurin. 
Uh, as far as his time as he started in the league, he's put up three 1,000-yard seasons, and the other one he had over 900. Um, when you think about it, like his QBs that he's played with has been a rotating cast, and it's hard to name some of them. I did some research. He's had Case Keenum, Dwayne Haskins, Alex Smith, Carson Wentz, just to name a few. Last year, he played with three different quarterbacks, still put up over 1,000 yards. So clearly, he's someone that, that's that can play. He's he's going to be a guy that'll just get some yards. I like him. He's number ten. Three different quarterbacks. One of them was my boy Carson Wentz, wasn't it? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah, that was a fleece that we got to Indianapolis. I mean, don't get me wrong; he looked good under Frank Reich, but <laughs> we fleeced Indianapolis, and he's just fell downhill ever since. Scary Terry is another one that. Is in my honorable mentions, and he probably falls victim to my Eagles bias. He's on the Redskins Commanders. So, sorry. Um, which, thank God they got rid of Dan Snyder. I think it's a bit criminal that a guy can do what he did and, and make $9 million off of it, or a billion, or however much he did. A stupid, ridiculous amount of money. Retirement of money. money. Um, either way, Scary Terry. Uh, yeah, he's a, a great person to have round out the 10. And again, he's in my honorable mentions, so Few of my people that I can easily be in the number 10, and, and you can convince me otherwise, but did fall out. I already mentioned two of them in Scary Terry and Jalen Waddle. They were in your top 10, and I think they have a good case to be in a top 10. Um, another guy who's in my honorable mentions, C.D. Lamb, is another guy you mentioned. So, yeah, I got three guys who probably should be in there, but maybe for biased reasons I didn't put in there or old school reasons in liking Mike Evans and DeAndre Hopkins. Other guys I thought of, Amon Ross St. Brown out of Detroit. Detroit just doesn't get a lot of airtime, so I don't watch him a lot. But everything I hear and see is he's a great receiver. And the last guy who who, is probably number 11 to me um, and can sneak in the top 10 this year, I think he's got a great opportunity with the now potential Hall of Fame, not potential, future Hall of Fame potential whenever he retires, is Garrett Wilson out of New York. Um, he's my number 11 and, uh, yeah, I think he can easily be top 10 next year. If not, maybe even top five. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you on that. Garrett Wilson's my honorable mention. I only have the one, um, but with Aaron Rodgers under center now for a guy that already put up a thousand yards last year, uh, mostly playing with Zach Wilson. Yeah. It's going to be a huge change hit for him there in New York. So excited to see how that pairing can work together to, to boost those numbers for Garrett Wilson. Yeah. Um, yeah. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I, I don't like Aaron Rodgers. I can't say I like many New York teams. It's weird. I do like the city of New York, but I don't like New York teams very much. Um, but I do like Garrett Wilson. I do like sauce Gardner. Um, so it'd be exciting to see how he does this year for sure. Um but there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. You probably heard my dog here and there. He wants my attention because he hears me talking to my friend. Um, so he keeps throwing the ball at me. Uh, but either way, there's our top 10. Um, wide receivers heading into 2023. And uh, yeah, leave a comment. Let us know what you think. And uh, yeah, thanks a lot for coming out and giving us your opinions and all this, Ian. Yeah, happy to uh, help out with the top 10. I'm excited to see what you have on next to talk about the next position group. Yeah, it's a uh, surprise moving on to the offense. I might just do a top five on this one uh, because they're, they're underutilized position, but it's probably going to be tight ends. 
Maybe I loop tight ends with just overall flex positions as well. I can't do that because then it's just going to be flex positions over tight ends. But yeah, tight ends, my next week. Um, maybe I'll have another friend on. Maybe I'll just be me and my voice again. But either way, thanks for listening to us, guys. Everybody, welcome back. Uh, very similar to last episode, if not I should say, if not, it is the exact same. I'm doing a top 10 football segment followed by a Formula One segment. However, the difference is, surprise, surprise, guests can stick around, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so Ian is still here. Say hi, Ian. Hey, everyone. Glad to be here to talk about F1 and sticking around. John, John's decided I can stay. <laughs> yes. Uh, we had a, a decent amount of fun. Uh, it's interesting having guests because now the break segment is not just a drink break segment and I can find new sponsors. Uh, this week's episode brought to you by Yeti speakers or <laughs> microphones. Uh, just so happens Ian and I have the same microphone and we were just talking about the different setups and how we have going and how we both want to upgrade to what we think, but it's probably not super expensive, but the fancy extendo arm so you can just move the mic around with you. Yeah, stuff like just that. Got, just got leveled up. <laughs> yeah. Um, but again, shout out to Yeti. That is the microphone. I got it off Amazon. Um, I mean, maybe shout out to Amazon. Got a couple of questionable decisions that they do here and there, but they make life easy and they got me my Yeti microphone. Um, but yeah, either way, uh, I don't want to get too tied up into there. If they want to, me to tie up into there, they can pay me more. Shout out to Yeti one more time. Um, but again, as I uh, as I kind of give the spoiler, it's another Formula One segment. Um, however, this time we're actually recording this early on a Wednesday. Don't want to get too much into it, but a little story onto John's history. Um, you're listening to this now on Sunday night or Monday or later. Uh, John was in Vancouver for Ed Sheeran concert, so was not available on Sunday. Ipso facto, probably use that wrong, but I've always wanted to use it. Uh, ipso facto, I'm recording this on a Wednesday with my good friend Ian. Um, so it's not a recap of a race or anything like that. We're actually just debating a certain topic on Formula One of whether they should expand. Um, Ian is one of the people I go to with racing knowledge. Again, I mean, I'll let him say if he's a pro or not, but yeah, I think he's a huge Formula One fan. Uh, I don't want to say, tell me what you know about Formula One, Ian, but yeah, like uh, explain a little bit about it, Ian. Yeah, so I started watching F1 back in 2011. Uh, just something that I picked up while we were in university. So for me, uh, something a little bit different than the North American sports that were big at the time. I know F1's gone through a huge boom since 2020. Things like Drive to Survive have definitely picked up a lot of popularity. Drive to Survive. Yeah, though, I mean, the original season, this is a debate for another time. The original seasons are better than the more recent ones. But Agreed. Yeah, I've, I've been watching F1 now for probably about 12, 13 years. Um, seen a lot of changes, seen a lot of teams come and go. So, yeah, excited to talk about whether or not Formula 1 should be expanding or not. Yeah, so, I mean, again, thank you for sticking around. If you have, for those of you that aren't the craziest Formula 1 fans, right now there's 10 teams, 2 racers per teams, 20 racers on the grid. Quick maths. Thank you very much. Um, there, There's talk of expansion going on. Um, uh, I think it's... 
I don't know. Ian, what are, what are your thoughts? What do you think? Yeah, so I know right now there's been talk about Andretti Motorsports partnering with GM and maybe them being the 11th team on the grid. Uh, recently learned in doing some research for today, it can go up to a maximum of 12 teams, so 24 cars on the grid. I did not know um, I think that. It, F1's, in a, yeah, F1's in a position, though, right now where I think they can start to look at expanding the grid. Um, obviously, they want to protect the product that they have. But especially in the past, like going back to the early 2010, there were 12 teams on the grid then. Um, there's been other years where there's been 11. The last four or five years has been pretty static with 10 teams. Um, but I also think we're in an era right now where it makes the most sense you think about the cost cap that was just brought in, it should make it easier for those new teams to come in and be competitive within the first few years. Um, it also gives an opportunity for someone new to join. Um, yeah, lots of teams get rebranded, they get bought and sold. Aston Martin Racing is a great example of that. But the last truly new entry was back in 2016 with Haas. And they've had some success. I know their more recent years have been back markers, but they, they got as high as fifth place in the constructors in their third year. So I think it'd be really good for F1 to start getting some new blood into the paddock. So I, I'm all for it. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, I did not realize Haas got that good that quick. Uh, I think Haas is potentially a fat favorite to some because of that drive to survive. Gunter, um, great character um, for Haas. I think he's he's got a couple of fans over there. Uh so yeah, I, I mean, I, I do agree. It's I'm gonna be honest with you on this one. I'm 50-50, if not 55-45. Leaning actually maybe towards the no side. Um I don't know. So you say or yes. So some of the things that like I'm thinking of in my head, maybe I'm playing devil's advocate because I want to poke some holes in theories, but I'm gonna throw a couple of things and I kind of want to see what what the response to be would be like why this could work. So I think that certain tracks and definitely a lot of garages and just pit lanes can barely accommodate the 20 cars and pit crews that it can now. So that's one of the things like I take an example, like Monaco can Monaco fit two to four more cars, an entire four more pit crews plus four more cars racing around that track. Along with that, you don't only add the amount of cars on the, the track for race time, but it's, do you then have to expand practice and qualifying, which is already kind of tripping over yourself? Teams get affected by strategy. However, maybe I kind of just argue my own point because I do like the strategy in sports. So maybe qualification adds another extra strategic value. But yeah, that's kind of where I, not to throw it on you and have a full on debate on this, but like, what would you say to like adding four to two or two to four more cars into the Formula One season? Yeah, I think it's a really good point. Uh, one of the things that I think about is looking back at those tracks that were used in 2010 to 2012. A lot of those are still in use today. So Monaco during those years was accommodating those extra cars, those extra teams. It would be a change. And obviously Monaco is a great example where it's a tight street circuit where there's already a lot of traffic, very processional in some ways. You kind of know the starting order unless someone's really catastrophic happens in the pits, like Valtteri Botas back in the day, where he had the longest pit stop known to F1 history. Um, <laughs> it's something that you, you kind of know the starting order of the grid is going, is going to be the final order. Um, so it definitely is going to be adding traffic to that track, but a lot of those tracks are still being used today, so they can accommodate it in my mind. 
Yeah, I mean, fair enough. That does make sense. I did forget about that aspect of it. Um, yeah, I can't say I have a counter argument there. Um, one of the things as well that this has always bugged me about Formula One, regardless of whether there is um, expansion or not, but being expansion on this one, one of the things that I always wonder is, granted, the league does run around money, but like, what does a team have to do to get in? Being being a big fan of other sports and 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 having it locked in its place and, and people can't just buy their way in. I mean, owners can buy teams, so it, it's silly to say that that way. But also being a huge football fan, I mean, I do think that the English Premier League and just soccer leagues around the world have it correct. But like, like, how does a team just get into an expansion with money? Like, do you do you think there maybe should be some form of a qualification system? Maybe a thing like the Premier League where where maybe you loop in Formula 2 and and maybe the, the worst team in Formula 1 gets replaced with the best team in Formula 2 each year. Uh, like, I don't know. Like, 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 what do you think? Do you think it's just who has the most money, who can, who can buy the best car? Or do you think there should be some form of a, hey, we've proven that we should be here? Yeah, no, there's that. Uh... The relegation promotion system would be interesting. The only challenge would be that you know you you have very set regulations where a lot of people are driving yeah. the same cars in F two, F three, in the feeder system. Like those those are very similar setups. Um, with that though, I think what I saw we'll do with some research is you've got multi stage process. So looking at someone like Andretti Motorsports, like they're not only appealing to the FIA, which is the governing body of F one, but then they have to still convince. Liberty Media Group, who owns F1, and the rest of the teams that they have a spot that they deserve on the grid. So I think in that way, like, it is still going to be money talks. But from what I saw, like, a lot of the F1 teams are a little bit cold on the idea of having new teams join the grid. Um, probably goes to, like, revenue sharing or, you know, prize money. It is going to start to be something that gets impacted once you start adding more teams. But, yeah, there, there is that process. And it's not as simple as if the FIA says yes, F1 says yes. The teams can still stone cold people out of there. It's it's not set in stone that once you get through one process, you're in. But yeah, money money does talk in this situation. Yeah, granted, even as I'm thinking about that, like money's always talked in this league. So who am I to say? Well, it's money to say buy a team, and money's always bought teams in this league. And it's <laughs> I love watching the league. So yeah, that stuff. I think another thing that as I'm thinking about it that is poking holes in my own theory is the driver lineup really ruins that. It's one of the, the few leagues that I, I would actually say that in my mind, the best drivers are in formula one. Um, there's not many formula two drivers that I can be like, Oh yeah, they, they should be in formula one over this guy. Um, I mean, yeah. Yuki Sonoda might've had his downfalls this year. Um, people like Latifi not putting up a lot of points, but at the end of the day, I still think that, I once say I'm a huge Formula 2 fan and I watch it a crazy amount of times. There still is that disparity that if a Formula 1 team was to get relegated, you've now just got two racers in Formula 2. And as you say, they've got the same car. They're going to come 1-2 every weekend because they're that good. But who knows? Maybe you restructure it and you say Formula 2 and Formula 3 doesn't have the ability because you've now added this promotion or relegation. Uh, but then again, it's it's then all just money talks, and you're probably just going to see Red Bull have five teams in Formula One because they all got promoted, and they're just going to be called Red Bull in different languages. You got Red Bull Alphatari, Red Bull in French, Red Bull in German. 
Um, yeah, so, the, yeah, yeah. The the driver lounge is an interesting one as well because I think if if the grid expands, whether it's eleven or twelve teams, one of the things that's uh, going to be a factor is there's going to be the drivers that get that opportunity, right? So that can be an F2 champion, that can be a driver that's maybe spent some time out of F1. So yeah, not everyone comes to F1 is going to be you know top tier. Uh, they might have a really successful career in F2. So someone like Mick Schumacher, even Nick DeBries, like those two are out of F1 right now, even though they were F2 champions in recent years. But it does give more opportunities. It's four more seats for uh, for drivers to find their way into F1. Yeah. I also want to see Mick come back to the grid. Um, maybe it's because I liked his dad too much, but I was a big Mick Schumacher fan. I don't want to say he got the rough end of the stick. He didn't crazy, I mean, put up crazy performances, but... I mean, you, you put him in one of those top five cars, he's going to get you points. He he was in Haas car, who was not the fastest on the grid, let's be honest. So I hope Mick Schumacher comes back. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. My, my huge thing on it has always been, like, what do you do to get promoted? Or if you add more teams, yes, it divvies at the pot. I don't really care about the money pot too much. Money already runs the league. A little less money is not going to hurt anybody. They already have stupid amount of money. But one of the points in uh, doing a bit of research here, um, so in 2010 to 2012, Formula One actually had, I think it was 12 teams on the grid. The bottom three teams in those three years, maybe it was only 11. Either way, they had an expanded roster over 10. The bottom three teams had zero points. Again, to the Formula One or people that are listening that aren't huge Formula One fans, you got to finish top 10 to get points. So that year, with an expanded roster, they still had zero points. So where's the benefit to Formula One to add two more teams if they're not going to put up performances? Yeah, it, it's always that risk because you don't just want teams to be joining as back markers, which is you know, cars that are racing right at the wrong end of the race. They're not fighting for wins. They're just participants at that point. But going back to the cost cap, it really does open up a very interesting opportunity because top teams are going to have their development spending limited or their testing time limited because that's the era we're in right now. So when you look at the opportunities for those newer teams that might be able to join, they're going to be able to develop the car more. They're going to be able to be on a bit more of an even playing field because teams like Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari, they're not going to be spending their ways to championships. Yeah, they've got the talent that's really building those very dominant cars, especially at Red Bull right now. But there's a new opportunity there where the playing field, the idea of the cost cap, it should be level. Yeah, no, completely. Um, that does make a lot of sense. And I do forget about, forget about that cost cap. So, I mean, as I said, to begin the segment, I was 55-45 on the no side. I'm going to be honest, even playing the devil's advocate side, I'm leaning towards this yes now here, Ian. Um, you have swayed me a little bit. I, I do think that adding more teams is just going to help grow the sport. Um, yeah, they might not put up points, but again, as a huge Premier League fan, Luton Town is in the Premier League. Are they really going to do anything? No. Yes, they might win a game and get a point, but they're not really going to do anything. Yet it's exciting to see them in there. So adding more teams, 
is going to help grow the sport um, a whole load more, which in the end is going to make more money for those money hungry um, pocket is never full people in Formula One world. Um, so yeah, there's there's kind of our take. I, I uh, again was leaning on the no side, but you have swayed me to the yes side, Ian. Yeah, again, as I said at the start, I think it's the right time for F1. Ever since 2020, the the sport's been growing. And I think that title fight in 2021 really, really added a huge wave of momentum because that was such a fun season to watch. Uh, Yeah, no, glad I could convince you. But you did raise some good points, especially with teams and how uncompetitive they were back in the early 2010s. Yeah, it's again, it's the benefit is the money side and it grows the league. But that's where it is. It's just what is the huge benefit of adding these teams if they're not going to perform um i mean it was it was fun to see the 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 hollywood scene in silverstone this year with the extra team on the grid and it worked um so i mean again my argument to the tracks are too small maybe is bolshlaviki uh it's a rated r podcast maybe is bullshit um because it, it worked in silverstone um but yeah either way there you have it people there's our formula one take um Again, let us know what you think in the comments, but if you hate it, don't say anything because I don't have time for haters. (laughs) I might have haters. Alrighty, everybody, and that marks the end of another episode of Rope Tin. We are now to the outro segment, and I've liked having him so much that Ian Kinch is still around. Yeah, John, it's been a ton of fun being on. I know last outro... You might have mentioned that we did a one-off episode of Talking Sports when we were living together. Uh, that that footage is somewhere in the archives. Don't know where, but you were it right. You talk, I was you on your Canon camera, right? Was yeah, it, was it on, Canon or Nikon? On, Nikon? on a camera somewhere. But yeah, you did talk about Russell Westbrook being a triple-double machine. Uh, I talked about Jose Bautista. This was like right after the bat flip happened against the Rangers, and it was about whether or not the Jays should re-sign him in that offseason or wait to see how he performs the next. A lot of that came down to, like, his age and if he'd fall off. So looking back, we both had some pretty good predictions as far as what the the situation was in both those cases. But, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for having me on, and I'm hoping you'll uh, you'll invite me back in the future. Yeah, definitely I'll have you back. Who knows? Maybe the people like you enough and this gets popular enough that we can quit our day jobs and, and relive that dream that we started eight years ago however long it was yeah yeah i think the thing was we we did the recording and then didn't know what to do next so it kind of just <laughs> yeah. fell away into nothing <laughs> i think our huge plan was for, for it to go on youtube um i don't know enough maybe podcasts weren't that huge but i don't know why we didn't think like podcasts are easier in the sense of i don't have to worry about yeah. you guys seeing me or anything i just have to worry about you guys hearing me <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah it was uh it was fun. Don't get me wrong, but it, it definitely was uh, one that just sat there and we were like, huh, that happened. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was like, ah, well, moving on. I also got to give it to Ian because how I am recording this, I'm going to give it out. Uh, shout out. I really hope I don't have to pay them. If I do, please let me know via email. I don't mean to do this in any kind of way. I'll give all the credit. Zoom meetings is doing this. Um, it's our recording. Uh, because of it, we have video chat on. Again, I said I don't have video. It will eventually come one day on the podcast, but I mean, give me a break, guys. I'm on episode eight. I'm still trying to figure out the editing side of things on the vocals, let alone the video side. Um, so, yeah, it's uh, 
it's been a lot of fun, but because we're on the video chat, I do want to give a shout out to Ian for holding his cool in the last segment. A little fun fact about John. I hate scary movies with a passion. Like I, I the last scary movie I watched was my junior year of boarding school. So it was 2010. It was a movie called what was it called? The Strangers. The Others. The Strangers. Um, about four people that were crazy people that killed other people and I didn't like anything of it and I don't like scary movies and I don't like watching scary movies at all. Again, this is a video chat. I've got the TV on in the background. It's on mute, but a scary commercial, like a preview for a scary movie came on and I absolutely lost it. Even though I couldn't hear anything, just seeing the scary movie, it's close to bedtime. Um, I was never going to be able to sleep. So I had to like frantically freak out and block the TV and look like the world was ending. And Ian, shout out, man. You held your own and you stayed solid throughout the whole segment. Yeah, just trying to be a pro over here, but uh, definitely raised some questions on mine once the segment was over. <laughs> yeah. uh, so there's the explanation to you guys. And uh, yeah, thank you very much. Ian was a guest the whole episode. Um, and hopefully he's going to be a guest on a lot of future episodes because this was a lot of fun. And again, he's one of my best friends and I absolutely love just hanging out with him and especially talking about sports. Um, yeah, well, so I'll, uh, I'll look for that text from you, John, and can't wait to listen to this episode Monday morning, as I always do, and listen to my own voice. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, it's going to be weird. I cannot set, listen to my own voice, but um, maybe I'll do it now because I actually have a guest on and I can listen to your voice too, the entire episode. Um, but as always, people, thank you for listening. Um, stay tuned for next week's episode and Hakuna Matata. <laughs>